I found that one third of adolescent athletes experience an eating disorder or disordered eating at some point in their life. And that is according to the doctors of osteopathic medicine. That is incredibly sad. Diet culture creates thin privilege, which makes thinness a gatekeeper for jobs, benefits, comfort, and accommodation. Hello, everyone. So we're going to take a trip into the past where I recorded this episode about a year ago. I was feeling very passionate about this connection between high school athletics and diet culture, body image, and how you heal that. Um, Not to say that if you were not an athlete, you're not affected by diet culture, but I think there is a direct link between the two and I want to talk about that so just for some context again this was recorded a year ago I never released it um because I just I don't know I didn't feel ready to to really talk about it it was a challenging time in my life and for anyone who has been an athlete you kind of get What I mean, sometimes there is like some trauma associated with, you know, your sport and the years of commitment that you put into it. You know, the added layer of the fact that like when I was in middle school and high school, that's when social media started. So not knowing any of the tools on how to like manage your intake of the media that you consume or being aware of how it's affecting your brain over time. I don't think we had that privilege of knowing the effects of that over time. So something that I want to acknowledge in this episode is that, you know, for people who are still struggling with body image or disordered eating or any like really tough relationship with food, I kind of want to give some insight, some knowledge so that people feel like they're not alone and that, you know, it's perfectly normal to be feeling a lot of these feelings of unworthiness or inadequacy or not feeling pretty enough, not feeling enough in any way. Um, It is so, so easy for us to compare ourselves I think the new perspective that I have now a year later is that I teach kids who are kind of around the same age as I was when I, you know, started playing volleyball. Like I see them grappling with identity and their looks and insecurity. And I'm like, this is a little child. But when I think of myself at that age, how critical I was of myself, I'm like, wow, like I didn't let myself just be human yeah i feel like this episode will resonate deeply with women i think it can also resonate with men it can resonate with people who are not athletes um if anyone is curious about diet culture um this is also for you so let's get into it welcome back to another episode of vibe and cultivate with maya hope you guys are doing well Yeah, school is very hectic for me right now. I'm kind of in the middle of everything. 
but um, I'm happy to be here today to be talking about dieting, fitness myths, and high school sports. This episode is ED conscious, meaning that there will be no mention of sizes, weight, calories. The goal of today is to reframe how we think about health. There's one pretty narrow version of what society thinks of health to be that is way more harmful than it's actually helpful. There is no single way of being that is for every single person. Oftentimes, issues like diet culture and the fitness industry, high school sports to college sports, that warps our idea of who we need to be in order to matter, in order to be beautiful. There's just so much pressure all the time um, to show up in ways that just don't feel natural and that don't feel good in our bodies. So today we're going to talk about that. This is not an episode about solely high school sports or just fitness or just dieting. It's all interconnected. It's all the same problem. And that's what we're going to be getting at today. To give more of my background, because I've never really talked about this on this platform before. I'm vegan. I live in Chicago. I used to live in California. That's where I was raised. In high school, I played two varsity sports. I did volleyball as my main sport for a very long time. And my other sport was swimming. Most of my life, I never really needed to plan out anything myself because my entire life was my practice and tournament and meet schedule and that was it. My life has drastically changed <laughs> since that time, obviously. I'm gonna be talking a bit about that transition to coming to college and what that was like for me. Basically, I wanna highlight these idealized versions of beauty and body image and stuff like that that differ depending on where you live, which a lot of people don't know unless you've moved out of your hometown. What I'm speaking from is just like my own experience and the stories that my friends and my teammates have shared with me over the years. I have found, especially in college, the people that I feel the most seen with are people who were also athletes in high school because there is this unique experience of having a sport be your entire life and then if you don't play that sport in college, having that kind of ripped away from you and your whole life changes because like your life no longer revolves around this sport and your sense of worth and your sense of self is not like, oh, I'm a player of volleyball, basketball, water polo, football, like it's gone. For me, that was, that was kind of scary. I think something that people don't anticipate when you think about high school sports and kids, because you know we were really kids at that time, you don't think about how you're exposed to diet culture at such a young age just by doing sports. Let me tell you what it was like on one of my teams in my last couple years. This year was 2016. I'm not gonna mention the name of the coach, not gonna mention the name of the school, but if you know me, you know this story. I had a coach who was a woman and she was actually one of the only female coaches I've ever had in the sport. I've had like three. She was pretty tough, pretty intense. Part of what we had to do 
on top of practicing every day for two hours and then we were training, we would also practice on Saturdays. We also kept these things called journals. And this was not really a journal in the way that most people think of a journal. It was more of like a log. So you would document your goals for every single practice and every single game. And you would also track all of your food. You would write down every single thing that you ate that day. And she said that the purpose of writing that down was to see if you did not reach your goal for that day or if you did, linking that to the food that you ate. If you ate something that's conventionally considered unhealthy, basically saying like, that's why you played bad. Obviously, you know, being teenage girls, we mostly didn't take it seriously in the sense that we would lie about it. But even the fact that like we felt like we had to lie about it is part of the problem. Like I remember lying in mine. Even just (laughs) thinking about how wrong and how absurd it was that we had to do that and that that type of practice was allowed in a public school setting. Like that's still pretty crazy to me. Um, But I think the line of ethics in volleyball in California was always very, very hard to distinguish because the same coaches from club also went to coach in school, which makes things incredibly complicated and very political because you're essentially feeding from certain clubs onto certain school teams. And it affects a lot. It affects how they recruit. It affects who ends up on which teams based on what club you play for. It's just a lot. It's a lot of tension, a lot of rivalry. I think sometimes people would get caught up in the fact that, oh, well, I'm a club coach, so I get to do whatever I want because I know these girls. But that's not the case. Like that's If you're doing something that is morally wrong or just illegal, that is what it is. Like Whatever your status is somewhere else shouldn't matter. But that was probably the most screwed up thing I witnessed from a coach. I was really interested in seeing just other other issues that have to do with high school sports, the impact of things like this on young people, because it is very significant. I found that one third of adolescent athletes experience an eating disorder or disordered eating at some point in their life. And that is according to the doctors of osteopathic medicine. That is incredibly sad. The main things that come to mind when people think about like problems with high school sports is the more obvious things, barriers to access, like if you don't have the money to afford to be a part of the sport, to afford to elevate, to pay club tuition, to pay for your uniforms, traveling and stuff. Issues like that always made me question larger competitions. You know, you could look at state or nationals and stuff like that, but even the Olympics, you know, I remember as a kid looking at the Olympics on TV and I was like, I would hear my parents be like, oh, this is the best of the best. And I was like, how do you know that that's the best of the best because i guarantee like there's no way that they actually went out of their way to seek out every possible talented athlete like it's impossible so like this is just a portion of elite athletes so that kind of always framed how i looked at athletics um but anyways there there are so many issues that have to do with high school sports and a lot of it has to do with the mental pressure that coaches and athletic directors and even sometimes your own teammates 
that you put on each other to continue performing at a really high level, pushing yourself past your physical limits, doing things that just don't feel good and that don't feel right. And that can be like supplements that coaches coerce players to take, which is definitely a thing in California. If you're familiar with that, you already know. If you're not, now you know. It's incredibly common, incredibly common, especially male sports. It's mind-blowing to me how coaches either don't consider or don't care about the impact that that would have on a young person and their body image. I'm going to be talking about this a little bit later when we discuss diet culture in men, but I mean, it affects everyone regardless of your gender. If someone's telling you that you need to alter your body in order to be a better athlete, that goes beyond saying like, treat your body like a temple, take care of yourself, eat lots of green food. Like that's not the same thing as being like, count your calories in this book and turn it into me and let me give you feedback or take this like full size container of like this supplement in order to play on Friday. Like that's crazy. High school sports, like I think there are a lot of really wonderful things about it. There's a dark side to it and there's there's the underside that people... Are afraid to talk about that same fear is why the same problems keep happening and I see how it's also a cultural thing because I didn't even understand how wrong these things were I didn't see it until I moved away and I had space and perspective to see like oh wow we never should have been put in that position because at the time while I was never forced to do something like that for another coach it was always the comments that they would make the shaming and the remarks that they would say about certain girls with different body types, especially in volleyball, and especially when people would talk about our uniforms and stuff, because we would wear, like, you know, tighter stuff, short shorts. It's really damaging. We started playing, we being, like, me and my friends and my teammates over the years, like, we started playing when we were 11, 10 years old, and we're already exposed to that whole world of, like, body shaming. Also, because of that, I believe I started macro tracking when I was 16 and I did it for my training and for myself and I truly believed that that was what I needed to do to be healthier to be a better player and to look a certain way I definitely took it to extreme degrees and I remember being hungry all the time but I was letting just some app on my phone completely control my life and it was It was obsessive. And I know so many people with the same story and so many people with even worse stories. It is heartbreaking how common food tracking and eating disorders are in in California. I would say more of my friends, more of my female friends have had eating disorders or experienced disordered eating than those that have not. To talk a little bit more about diet culture, first I want to preface something from the National Eating Disorder Association. Diet culture is dangerous for people of all sizes and particularly dangerous to those with a predisposition for currently suffering with or recovering from eating disorders. Diet culture creates thin privilege, which makes thinness a gatekeeper for jobs, benefits, comfort, and accommodation. So this is basically to say the thoughts that we have about our bodies and the way that we approach these ideal bodies that we want 
we're not crazy. It's not all in our heads and it's not all our fault. It is a fucking global issue. It's in advertising. It's on our cereal boxes. It's on our computers every day. It's on our phones constantly. It's grounded in these proven facts that if you are thin, if you are white, if you are cisgender, if you are straight, then your life will be much better and it will be much easier. And that is a big reason why people seek that out. I'm not here to give global solutions to this. I'm just giving examples of how I've seen this show up in my life. I also am not fully past all of this. I can talk about what I went through in high school because I've made peace with it and I processed it and I let it go. That's a privilege in and of itself. So many people have gone through things where they haven't had the tools to be able to process it. The level of anti-fatness in this country is mind-boggling when policymakers do not want to put the mechanisms in place to give people access to healthy foods and different outlets to be able to move your body. Healthy groceries are not subsidized they're not Um, only more recently did like snap benefits include like healthier foods how are you going to shove something down people's throats when all you're offering them is unhealthy school lunches or food deserts as you see in chicago everywhere it just seems like a lot of pointing the finger at people who simply don't have the resources to live these lifestyles that are chalked up to be the epitome of success is to be like physically healthy. But it's like, I think we really need to unpack what does it mean to be physically healthy? Just because someone is thin does not mean that they are healthy. And if there's anything that you take away from this episode, I want it to be that. I myself have been at a point in my life where I was thin, like hollow. I was probably the most unhealthy I had ever been in my entire life, and that was around the time of my senior prom, which is not a coincidence, you know, all the pressure to look perfect. I remember in in the Bay Area, it's outrageously common for teen girls to starve themselves for days in a row in preparation for a prom or a dance very 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 sad i'm not here to say that i was above all of it and i was so high and muddy like i believed in it too i let it affect me all the time it affected my friends too it took a lot of real moments of honesty with myself taking initiative to seek out resources that are factual and science-based that basically told me that diet culture is fake which it is and That all these things that we were hearing from coaches, all these people, it's not true. Now being an adult, it's like easier to look back and be like, oh, they were an authority figure. So that makes sense why I would just believe what they would say and not really think about it that thoroughly. I was just doing what I was told type of thing. The last thing that I want to talk about is eating disorders in college. There are a lot of habits related to EDs that are overlooked or trivialized in college. And those include starving yourself to get more drunk later, skipping meals when you know you'll be wearing like a tighter outfit or showing more skin, joking about not eating anything all day, which people do a lot, drinking so much just to make yourself throw up the food you ate, shaming people for the food they ate or 
the last time they ate or how often, all that. It just drives people to hate themselves and constantly feel like they need to present themselves a certain way. For me, this ended up being like a couple years ago. I just found this in my Google Drive, but I wrote a contract with myself. It was like this very urgent message and commitment that I wrote to myself that was about how I was gonna change my approach to food. I didn't even know that I made this until I found it. In reading it, I could see how hurt I was and how much I needed to heal and how stressed I was about fitness and health and food and workouts all the time. And it kind of like made me proud to think of how far I've come, the way I approach everything when it comes to physical health drastically changed to actually benefit me and not just create this image of what I think I'm supposed to look like. You've made it to the end. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It is crazy to hear myself a year ago talking about diet culture because when I think about it, I'm like, I still had things at that point in my life that I needed to unlearn And I feel like I've moved towards that and I'm really proud of myself. Something I've been working on is inner dialogue. I can make another episode about that, how to be more compassionate to ourselves. That's still something that I'm working on. I really love this topic. I think there's a lot to be said. I'm learning a lot as I get older and move farther away from where I was at (laughs) at that age. Um, But I have so much love for... 16 year old Maya just trying to figure it out and just trying to like do what she thought was best and just trying to like be a good friend be a good teammate like that's really all I wanted and just thinking about how hard it is to be a young person and how competitive the world of sports can be and the world in general um It can be a lot, so it gives me an appreciation for our young people today, and I'm really glad that I get to talk about things like this. Definitely more to come. I'm going to make an episode about how I practice wellness today. I feel like that would be so cool to continue that conversation for years to come on this podcast, seeing how I practice wellness now, and then a year from now, checking back, and then five years from now, checking back. I think that would be really cool. So thank you for joining me on this little journey. Hope you guys are doing well. Take care of yourself, but have a little fun. Don't take things too seriously. All right. Bye.